We have as much of God that we want, don't we? God is so wonderful. He's so, uh, there's so much that the Lord wants to lead us in and to bring us into. We have to take that time. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So you will be rewarded as you come tonight. Each service will be on live stream, but we encourage you to be here and be a part of this and what God is doing. Um, let's pray over the offering and our giving today. Let's look to the Lord and let's just thank him. Father, thank you that we have, Lord, the privilege of giving. God, thank you that you demonstrated giving our all. And Lord, as we return the tithe, which is yours, and God, as we give offerings, Lord, which is above the tithe, we thank you, Lord, that your blessing is upon that. And God, that your blessing will be upon our income as we give. Lord, we worship you as we give today. We don't give out of compulsion, but God, we give liberally and we give cheerfully from our hearts because we love you. And we thank you, God, for all that you've done for us. Bless our giving in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, we want to introduce our special guest, Randy Ruiz. I met him this morning. I don't know anything about him other than folks said, oh, you can't wait to hear him. He's, he's been here before. And I got to tell you that out of all my visits with Randy, today was the best visit I've ever had with you, Randy. And I really appreciate it, man. It's been great. You're awesome. And, um, but I have been praying and been looking forward to meeting uh, not only Randy, but meeting with God together with him as he brings the Lord's message to us today. Let's open our hearts to all that God has for us. Let's allow the Lord to move in our lives because he has so much more than what we've experienced and he wants us to lead us into more and to bear fruit for him. So let's give him a warm welcome, Randy Ruiz. Good morning, good morning. Hey, turn to the person next to you. Smile and say, you are the best looking thing I've seen all day. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Just tell them you are hot. You must be Puerto Rican. No, I'm teasing. The reason I do that is because hopefully you're sitting next to your wife or your husband. And if you're not, hopefully you're sitting next to someone you wish was your wife or your husband. And if you're not, we're going to do it again tonight. And uh, if you're single, scope it out. <laughs> Sit in a good spot. I'm just trying to help you out. Thank you for coming to church. We want to welcome everyone that is watching us on live stream. Can we give them a great hand of applause? Come on. Thank you for our live stream church. Yes. And I won't hold you long. That's what Elizabeth Taylor told husband number six. I won't... <laughs> I won't hold you long, but I do have a faith-building message that'll set the set the stage for what God's going to do this week. I want to show you something so powerful that if you get a hold of this teaching, it'll change your life. Get your Bible out with me and turn it on, and uh, <laughs> turn to Luke the third chapter and the fifteenth verse. Luke chapter three, starting at verse fifteen. I want to speak to you on the genuine power of raw expectation. The genuine power of raw expectation. 
Now, as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, the key to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire in verse 16 is found first in verse 15. Now, the people were in expectation. Now the people were in expectation. Now the, lo- the location of this verse is significant because up to this time there had been 400 years of silence. The Old Testament ends in the book of Malachi and this is followed by 400 years of silence where God refuses to speak. No prophets, no words from the Lord, And we are now following 400 years ahead, and we move 400 years ahead, and we pick up the story in the book of Luke, where God pulls back the veil and gives us an insight, or he gives us a glimpse into the atmosphere that God is looking for, so that he might pour out the power at Pentecost, so that he might pour out the power of the Holy Spirit. And the atmosphere is described this way, and the people were in expectation. I often wonder, God, were you silent for 400 years because you were waiting for the people to get hungry? You're waiting for the people to get expectant. The New Williams translation says, now while the people were on tiptoes in their expectation. They're literally on their tiptoes expecting God to do something. And they're arguing in their hearts about John whether he is the Christ. Friends, I believe it is tiptoe time in the body of Christ in America. I also believe it is tiptoe time in Church on the Rock. We need to come to a deep understanding that if God is going to do something in an end-time church, he first looks for people who are in expectation. We need to expect God to pour out his spirit. We need to expect God to... Move on your children and your grandchildren. We need to expect God to do the impossible again with great anticipation, saying, God, I can't wait to see who you're going to bring my way. The very moment your feet swing off the bed and land on the floor, you should be saying all the way to the the bathroom and shower, Lord, I can't wait to see who you're going to put my way today. I can't wait to see how you're going to use me in a way to touch my city for God. Friends, when you come to the house of the Lord, you must sing and you must worship in expectation. You must give in your offerings and sow your offerings in expectation. The very moment you drop that offering in, Lord, I'm expecting this to bring a mighty harvest of souls. Lord, I'm expecting that this is going to multiply like the loaves and the fish. You must pray in expectation. There's something amazing about praying in expectation. When you pray in expectation, you're praying God-sized prayers. A normal prayer is, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord. That's a nice prayer, but it's an ordinary prayer. And ordinary prayers bring ordinary results. But when you're praying in expectation, Lord, I'm praying that you would do something so mighty. See, an expectation prayer is a prayer that is greater than you could possibly do on your own. 
You must expect miracles and expectation. Expect God to pour out the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the atmosphere where the presence and the fire of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is poured out, it's a spirit of expectation. In Colossians chapter 2 and 14, it says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. See, I want to announce to you today that there is nothing between you and your miracle. There is nothing between you and your miracle. It has already been removed. It's been nailed at the cross, and you need to be on your tiptoes by the power of the Holy Spirit with expectation, believing that God is ready to do something in your life today. Expect God to pour out His Spirit. Expect God to move. Expect pain to leave your body. Expect your healing. Expect to receive your miracle. Listen, I would be a multi-millionaire if I had a dollar every time someone said, Pastor, I can't sleep at night. Ever since the COVID came, I can't sleep. I'm tossing and turning. There's fear and doubt and worry and oppression. We are more divided today in America than we've ever been divided. We're divided economically. We're divided spiritually. We're divided in our fears and our doubts. But it's time to expect the spirit of rest. As I was praying this morning, the Holy Spirit reminded me that there will be many of you listening that you toss and turn all night long because you don't know what tomorrow may hold. And it's time to expect a spirit of rest. Psalm 119 and 126. It's time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void. In other words, when you see people disregarding God and his word, when you see the culture turning away from the power of God and what the Bible teaches about marriage and the family, that marriage is between a man and a woman. I, I never thought in 33 years of ministry that I would have to distinguish that marriage between a man and a woman, but that's the day and age we are living in. I never thought that I would have to defend the sanctity of life, but that is the day and age we are living in. And when you see culture mocking the power of God and mocking and laughing at God's word and laughing at the church, that's not the time to be depressed. That's not the time to be worried or downcast. That's the time that you look up with expectation for our redemption is drawing nigh. That is the time that we know God is going to do a mighty work. This is the hour to rise up with healing in his wings. There is a suddenly that will come if you are in expectation. And begin to pray, Holy Spirit, show me the power and the sovereignty of your word. If you believe that, can someone just shout amen? amen. Many of you are facing giants in your life. You've already defeated the lion and the bear. You're facing a giant that's trying to intimidate you and steal your joy. The giant is trying to cause fear and panic to run free in your home. So many, well, should we wear the mask? Should we not wear the mask? Should I, should I get the, the vaccine? Should I not get the vaccine? There's fear and there's worry. You're dropping your kids off at school and there's fear and worry. We're worried about the Critical race theory teaching is, what is this all about? And there's so many unknowns, and the giant is trying to cause fear and panic. Let me tell you, just as God hand-selected Goliath for David, 
to show his power flowing through David's life. Likewise, God has hand-selected your giants because he has also hand-selected your victory. There is a victory that is coming. God knows exactly what you need. And there is a spirit of peace and rest that we begin to expect. Romans 8 and 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. In other words, this means we have a double claim to everything in heaven. We have a double claim to every promise in the Bible. Not just heirs, but joint heirs with God. Because Jesus said, I can have it. The raw power of expectation. Are you expecting? Are you expecting? The raw power of expectation is seen in Acts 3, where the Bible says there was a lame man who was brought to the temple, and he's laying there daily. Now, this is a very familiar, popular scripture that I've heard many preachers preach on, and that the miracle was dependent upon Peter and James saying, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give unto thee. Arise in the name of Jesus and walk. Now, I know there's power in Jesus' name. I know he is the Alpha and the Omega. I know he's the beginning and the end. I know he's the sea walker and the blind healer. But notice that the miracle for the lame man was dependent upon Acts 3 where it says, so he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from those men. Did you catch what I just said? The power in the name of Jesus is wonderful, but notice the power in Jesus' name did not activate itself. The activation was... He said, I am expecting to receive something from that man. You're looking at me, and I'm looking at you. Every week, you look at Pastor Brian, you look at Carmen, you, you look at the worship team, and we see you looking, and I'm looking at you. But what I don't know is, have you come expecting? Are you really expecting to receive something from the Lord? Because this man's attitude was, I don't hope, I don't think, I expect. I expect a miracle. I expect to receive something. You see, and there's something that the enemy is tormented by. It's recorded in 1 John, 1 John 3, 2. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. The devil's not concerned about what used to be. And he's not concerned about what you are. No, please understand, all of hell is on high alert at what you can be through the power of the Holy Spirit. What you can be. Because the Bible says it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Listen, this thought really hit me as I was preparing for you this week. The devil's really not con that concerned with your past. Oh, I know a lot of you want to glory in your past and give your testimony. And sometimes in our testimonies, we give the devil too much glory. And my present, well, we have got God's attention. And we've got all of hell's attention. This church is on hell's radar. 
He knows exactly where you are. He knows where your babies go to school. He knows where you go to work. He knows your daily things. You are now on the radar of hell. But apparently, by the way he is attacking the church here lately, there must be something that has not yet appeared. There must be something that God is getting ready to do. That he wants to use you and he wants to use me. Something so supernatural in the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is the reason why you are dealing with what you are dealing with. Oh, if you believe that, come on, praise him for it. Yeah. Something is coming. And I want you to lift your voice and begin to tell him, Lord, I'm ready. I'm in expectation. I'm expecting the rain to fall from heaven. I'm expecting the power of God to move. In fact, right now, I want to take a little praise break. And I want you to forget the person to the left and the right. And close your eyes and someone lift your hands and say, Father, we are expecting a move of God. We've come expecting healing. We've come expecting believing God to do something. Father, we know that we have not yet seen what shall be revealed, but we hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Your greatest miracles are just ahead. Oh, come on, somebody tell them I'm expecting right now. I'm believing right now. I'm asking God right now. God has done great things. But we have not even begun to see or hear what he wants to do. Because I'm hearing in my spirit, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, eye has not seen nor ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Oh, come on, just praise him. Just praise him. We praise him. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come in your marriage, in your home, in this church. Yes, Pastor. The best is yet to come. I want you to say that quietly to yourself because sometimes you have to speak it and you have to hear it and allow it to be solidified into your heart. Come on. The best is yet to come. Say it again. The best is yet to Oh, one more time. The best is yet to come. Well, you look back at me and you say, well, Pastor Randy, I don't, I don't have great faith. Well, we serve a God greater than your faith. Or you may say, well, my prayer life has gotten to this point and I've stopped. And we serve a God that's greater than your prayer life. See, Hebrews 6 and 10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your works and labor of love. What that means is for God to forget you, he would have to be unrighteous, and that is impossible. He knows exactly what he's promised you. He knows exactly what he's going to do. And so the only question is, are you expecting? Are you expecting? Would you turn to your neighbor and look at them and smile and say, are you expecting? Just ask him, are you Some of you husbands might get an answer that you don't want to hear. <laughs> are you expecting again? My wife and I, we are we'll be celebrating 33 years of marriage in November. Yeah. Awesome. And I'll never forget the day that the doctor came into the room for the first time and he says, Randy and Carlene, Yes, you're expecting. Now, I was very young. I was 26 years old, and I looked at him and said, expecting what? 
My wife punched me. I said, no, what? What are we expecting? You're expecting your first child. Everything changed from that moment. Our language changed. Suddenly everything in the household changes. It was pre we began to prepare. Prepare and expect. Prepare. Why? Because we are expecting. I no longer had an office. The office was moved out to the porch and a, a crib was coming in. Didn't even know. I said, what in the world? We ex suddenly we were buying pampers. We began to expect. We began to prepare. If you're going to birth revival, you've got to prepare and then expect. Prepare and expect. Come on, say it with me. Prepare and expect. And so the doctor said, part of your preparation is you have to go to Lamont's. Now, like I said, I was young, and it was my first one. So I went to that stupid class. <laughs> stupid class. And I'm sitting there, spraddle-legged on the floor. She's in, you know, she's sitting in front of me, and I'm rubbing that vitamin E all over her stomach so she doesn't get stupid. And I'm going through all the classes. He, he, hoo, hoo, he, he. <laughs> Deep cleansing breath. Listen, just take the shot. Just so stupid. So, you know, we're young and we're expecting and I'm preparing because everything has changed. And so we go, you know, and, and, and she hits five centimeters. Everything was cool till she hit five centimeters. The moment she hit five and six, it was he, he, She said, come here. I said, uh-uh. <laughs> nope. I cast out things that sound like that. And she said, get me something. True story. Get me something. I said, he, he, deep cleansing breath. <laughs> it didn't work. She looks at me and she says, you'll never touch me again. <laughs> we got four kids, amen. <laughs> so I, you know, I panicked and I ran out in the hallway and I said, help. And here came the anesthesiology. He's pushing that, that you know, little cart. I said, brother, you better put a step in that walk. And he goes, oh, young man, I've seen it before. You know, I mean, it happens all the time. I said, you have not seen it like this. She's got a horn sticking on the top of her head. She told me, literally, she told me in that labor and delivery room, I want to pull your lip over the top of your head so you know what this feels like. Well, the doctor sat her up, went down her epidural track, and he put that medicine in, and she went, uh, uh, uh. Woo! <laughs> we gonna have a baby. <laughs> and I just described to you the labor pains that the church is going through. That we are now in preparation to birth a move of God. And it's difficult. The COVID is a part of that difficulty. The political things that are happening is part of that difficulty. But if you will expect a move of the Holy Spirit, he will inject into your spirit man exactly what you need to bring peace and joy and love and understanding. And suddenly you'll say we're about to do something we've never done, but we're expecting and believing. If you believe what I'm preaching, I want you to clap your hands and praise him that it's on the way.
It's on the way. You see, the church has become so sophisticated, we've become so educated, we've become so theological, we have become so know-it-all that we have actually boxed God and the power of the Holy Spirit out of the church. But this Sunday, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, come and possess your church. We are expecting, we are believing for the power. We are waiting for the mighty rushing wind to fill the room, Lord. We need the anointing to come and break the yokes that we can receive our miracle. We're ready, Lord. When they set the lame man down outside the gate and he looked at Peter and John, he looked at them expecting to receive something from them. What he was really expecting, I believe, was just another get-by day blessing, just to get by another day. And that's how many of you came to church this morning. Hope the preacher says something to help me get through tomorrow. Hope they sing a song that helps me not want to smack my husband. Uh, hoping that they'll do something. You, you're just hoping and expecting to get by another day. But God saw this blind man was expecting. And he basically says, because you have an expectant spirit, I will change your life in one service, in one encounter with me. Are you expecting? In Mark 10 and 50, we are told Bartimaeus had a beggar's garment. Now, in our Western mentality, we go by this, and we don't quite understand it. But did you know the government issued them an official beggar's garment? In biblical days, being blind was often seen as a curse. Your parents did something, and now you are cursed. And so, the beggars were defined as such by the cloak that they wore. Usually, the cloak was the beggar's one and only possession and their only source of income. The cloak was a certain color, and a citizen, when you would see that cloak, you would know this man or this woman has been checked out by the magistrate. They are okay. They really are a person in need, so we could give to them, not worrying if they are really a person in need. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was passing by, he did something amazing. He took his garment and he threw it away. Bartimaeus was basically saying, I'm throwing off the old way of life. I'm throwing off what the culture has named me to be. You see, somebody is listening to me and the culture has told you because your daddy was a certain way, you're going to be a certain way. Because your parents did a certain thing, you're now going to live in that lifestyle. And Bartimaeus, he said, I am tired of a culture putting a label on me. And he took and he threw it away. I'm tired of being defined as a beggar. Listen, he didn't just toss aside a jacket or a sweater. This was life and death. It was sink or swim. He was either going to be healed or he's going to have nothing. His faith was remarkable. He was so desperate for change that he went to Jesus expecting a miracle. What he is saying is, I know I can't see yet. I know I'm not healed yet. But if Jesus is anywhere close, 
If the master is anywhere close, I'll never return to begging again. Jesus is going to give me my miracle. My grandmother would take me from Long Beach, California to Los Angeles, California. And she'd look at me and she'd say, baby, just wait till you get there. You're going to feel it. There was this expectation in her heart. She said, we're going to church. And I'd say, well, Grandma, you don't drive. She said, baby, don't worry. We're going to take the bus from Long Beach all the way to Los Angeles. Why, Grandma? Because we're going to an auditorium to see Catherine Kuhlman. She was an amazing evangelist in the 70s. And my grandmother would say, baby, just wait till you get there. You're going to feel it. She had an expectant heart. I'd say, feel what? Oh, just don't worry. Wait till you get there. You're going to feel it. And we'd get on the bus, and she'd start singing in Spanish, and then in English, and then a heavenly language. And she would sing all the hymns of the church, and she would just sing just loud enough for a couple of people to hear around her. And she would start Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, Woo. and she would stop and start another song, on a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering. And shame. Whoo! And she'd go into another song. And when she knew everyone around her, now she wasn't loud, but when she knew there was a couple people listening, she would start singing, There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. That always got me in trouble because we'd go to church and we'd sing those songs and I would go, woo, get smacked in the back of the head. <laughs> Don't be disrespectful. I thought that was the word. <laughs> but now we had several people watching and she would say, who wants to know Jesus? And she was operating under such an anointing. Don't miss tonight. I'm going to teach you how the anointing makes the difference. The anointing is nothing more than the personality of the Holy Spirit. You receive him at salvation. And he comes upon you at times of crisis, compromise, and opportunity. Sir, if you are married, you need the anointing. You need it. Ma'am, you need the anointing to give you inside information on how to raise your children in a culture with no morals, ethics, or integrity. And the Holy Spirit brings insight information. And my grandmother would say, who wants to know Jesus? And she would lead several in a sinner's prayer. And then she'd look at me and she'd say, baby, just wait till you get there. You're going to feel it. I'm expecting a miracle. We'd get off the bus and we would be walking down the street and now there was two or three people following us. And we'd walk into the Shriners Auditorium, into the presence of God. The tangible presence of the Holy Spirit where you know that the Master is there and our knees would buckle. She'd say, baby, do you feel it? I'd say, yeah, what is it? 
And she would say, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. But your salvation is not based on feeling. Your salvation is based on grace. But isn't it good to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit? I said, yeah. She said, come on. And we go all the way to the top because Grandma was talking on the bus and we were late. <laughs> and we'd get to the top and she'd say, now just lift your hands and expect a move of God. Are you expecting? Listen, friends, just as Jesus is God, Jesus is God the Father's gift to you of eternal life. But the Holy Spirit is Jesus' gift to you to empower you in this life. And the Holy Spirit wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Well, what does that mean? Well, let me wrap this up for you and tell you what that really means. It means the Holy Spirit desires and he wants to accomplish several things in your life. And if you'll allow him to accomplish them, it'll change your home forever. First, the Holy Spirit wants to invade you. An invasion is a military term of warfare. When an army conquers an area, they invade every nook and cranny. Our minds are emblazoned with the Taliban coming into Afghanistan, and they are invading every area. You can see it as you close your eyes how thousands of people were rushing into the airports. And I'll never forget the scene of that United States aircraft taking off and people holding on because of the fear of the Taliban. They were in invading every area, every nook, and every cranny. And the Holy Spirit this morning, young man, wants to invade you in the same way. He wants to invade every nook. He wants to invade every cranny. He knows the six-year-old boy you are that you've hidden into your heart and you've pushed him way down because you don't want anyone to know what you experienced when you were six. But he knows. Young lady, he knows this 16-year-old girl. How does he know? Because he is sovereign God, and he knew you before you were even formed. He knit you together wonderfully in your mother's womb. He selected your hair color. He selected your eye color. He knows exactly who you are. And if you want to allow him, he will invade and intercede for you. Second. He wants to envelop you or seal you. In other words, he wants to encase you in his protection. We all understand snail mail, at least those of us that are my age and over. But when you write a letter, the old-fashioned kind, you know, where they used to teach you how to write with your hand. Now kids can't even print their names. But we used to have snail mail, and we would write out a letter, and then when we finished the letter, we would put it into an envelope, and we would seal it. And that envelope encased that letter, and it kept it safe until it got to its destination. It kept it clean. It kept it whole. Oh, come on now. And then we would put a stamp on it that would pay the price to get it where it was going. And the Holy Spirit 
The price has been paid by Jesus at the cross at Calvary. And because he rose again on that third day, he wants to encompass you. He wants to put his arms around you. He wants to seal you until you have the day of your redemption. He wants to keep you clean. He wants to get you to heaven the right way. He wants to get you there safe. Thirdly, he wants to instruct you or teach you. Jesus said in John 14, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. He wants to teach you. On the job, he wants to teach you. What does that mean? That means while you're working and you're up against a situation or a problem, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, which you are at salvation, you bow your head and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me get past this task? Would you teach me? Would you show me? That'll blow the minds of all your workers around you. They'll say, how'd you figure that out? I got inside information. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will impress you. One of the ministry gifts of the Holy Spirit is to bring impression into your life and mine at what you are supposed to do. He will impress you. At times during the day, suddenly now, someone's name will just drop into your mind and he'll say, pray for this person. How many of you ever experienced that? Or he'll say, witness to this person. Suddenly thoughts will come to your mind. Don't go home that way. You go home every day that way. No, no, don't get on I-70. Don't get on I-70. Go, go this way instead. And you get home and find out there was an accident on the freeway right where you were about to get on the highway. I was having lunch with Pastor Steve Malazzo. He pastors an amazing church, Bethlehem Assembly of God in Valley Stream, New York. And we were having lunch together with one of his campus pastors. And the campus pastor said, Brother Randy, I need to share a story with you. He said, my administrative assistant was on the 100th floor during September 11th. She saw out her window the first plane hit the first tower. And the word came, evacuate. And her and all her co-workers got into the stairwell and started coming down from the 100th floor. They got to about the 90th floor, the 89th floor, the 88th floor, and a loudspeaker came on. All is clear. Go back. And she said, instantly, I just felt something inside of me, an impression that said, no, keep moving, keep going, don't stop. I looked over my shoulder, she said, and I saw all of my coworkers turn around and go back up the stairs. But she said, I just felt impressed, keep moving, keep going. Don't stop. She said, I'd been in the middle of our 40 days of fasting and prayer at the church. And she said, I learned that the Holy Spirit will guide you. And I just felt so impressed. She said, I just kept going down the stairs. When I got to the lobby, I ran out the door. She said, I got out into a large courtyard. I looked up just in time to see the second plane. He will impress you. 
I'm here to tell church on the rock, keep moving. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Keep believing. The Holy Spirit fifth will indwell you. John 4, 14 tells us, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He wants to indwell your body as the temple of the Holy Spirit because the anointing comes at times of crisis, compromise, and opportunity, and America is in crisis. The church is in compromise, but there's a great opportunity for you to rise up under the anointing of God and say, Lord, use me. Use me, Lord, in all my imperfections. Use me. And lastly, the Holy Spirit wants to engage you in the ministry. The best is yet to come. And all we need for you to receive this baptism of fire from the Father is for you to begin to operate in a spirit of expectation. I want our musicians to come quickly. A spirit of expectation. To begin to say, Lord, I want to expect a move of the Holy Spirit. Are you expecting? Several years ago, come on guys, musicians come quickly. I got a call and they said, Pastor, where are you? While well, I'm in the airport in Springfield, Missouri on, on the way home. I've been preaching all over the country. I'm tired. And she said, well, I need you to come now. The, uh, the baby came early. And I said, well, if the baby came now, it's really early. She said, yeah. I got in the car, and I headed to the neonatal unit in Springfield, Missouri at Mercy Hospital. And the whole way there, I'm saying, Lord, I need words of comfort, of exhortation, and sensitive counsel. And I had nothing. But I knew God was going to move. I was expecting Lord, I'm expecting you to do a miracle because in myself, I can't do anything. I got up to the neonatal unit and the elevator doors open and she's standing right in front of me. It's a young lady that I've known most of her life. I've preached for her father, her grandfather. Her husband is at the seminary in Springfield, Missouri, Somebody's got Theological Seminary. She's at Evangel University studying for the ministry and she's about a half pint. She's not even a full pint, she's a half pint. And she's standing there in that gown that is always so flattering. And she's got one hand like this on the IV bottle, and the other hand is holding back, you know, that gown. And she looks right at me, and she says, it's not fair. Tears. It's not fair. I'm here to tell someone this morning, it's not fair. Life is not fair. The politics that are happening in America are not fair. We don't understand it. But serving God means that in your life you may never know why a loved one passed early or why a certain door closed. Or why someone died of the COVID. Serving God means we're going to have a whole lot of unanswered questions. But there comes a time when you want to win that you begin to expect 
based on his character. I'm basing it on the character of God. I'm expecting a miracle. She looked at me and she said, it's not fair. And I said, I know it's not fair. She said, Pastor, I'm angry at God. I said, that's okay. Did you know it's okay to be angry at God? As long as you sin not. He said, well, wait a second. That, <laughs> at what point does anger become sin? Listen to me, gang. Anger is a secondary emotion. Something is causing you to be angry. But the moment that you allow bitterness, the moment you lose your expectation, the moment that you begin to shake your fist in the face of God and say, you know what, I don't believe you anymore, that's when you drop into sin and the devil says, you know what, I got you now. And I'm praying in my spirit, I'm looking at her, I'm saying, Lord, I need words of expectation. Lord, I need words of counsel, sensitive counsel. Lord, I know you're going to do something. I don't know what. I've got nothing. I looked at her and said, where's your husband? Well, he's in the room there with the baby. We walk down the hallway, and I see her husband, tall kid. He's got his arms in that incubator in these rubber gloves. The baby's got an IV in its head and in its foot. He's tiny, tiny, tiny. And I could see the tears pooling on the acrylic of that incubator and I said Holy Spirit I'm expecting a miracle I'm expecting you to do something I don't have anything the Holy Spirit whispered Randy have her welcome me into her human experience and in my mind I said Lord is that it I, I was looking for some great sermon and the Lord says, Randy, just have her welcome me into her human experience with an expectation that I am God. I turned to her and I said, you know, all I have to tell you is God wants you to expect a miracle and welcome him in. And she said, I can't do it. Her husband stands up, wipes his face and says, Pastor, I've been praying that way. I'm expecting God to do something. He lifted his hands. And it came out very quiet at first. And all he said was one word. One word. Jesus. 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 And whew, the moment he mentioned that name. I want you to close your eyes and bow your head. And if you need a miracle, I want you to begin to expect it right now. If you're longing for the Holy Spirit to do something in your family, if you're expecting God to take your church to the next level, if you're longing for more of Him, at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand and lift up your hands and say, here I am, Lord, just like Bartimaeus. I'm expecting God to do something. I need you to do something. You might be watching me at home right now via live stream. When I count to three, if you need a miracle, you're expecting God to do something, you go ahead and stand and lift your hands right where you are. 
Don't miss it. Don't miss it. One. At the count of three, if you're hungry, stay. Two. They're standing already. If you're ready for God to do a miracle in your nation, three. Stand right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. And I want you to open your mouth and tell him how much you need him. I want you to tell him how much you love him. Oh, come on, church on the rock. Don't make the Holy Spirit beg. In the name of Jesus, call your children by name. Call your grandchildren by name. Every husband in the room, begin to say, devil, you can't have my family. You can't have my children. I'm coming against a spirit of fear right now. A spirit of expectation. In the name of Jesus. Those of you that are working the camera, you hear me. I do not want, I want you to glue the camera right here. I don't want you to glue it anyplace else because what's about to happen. If you need a miracle, I'm going to ask you to step out into the aisle. I, I talked to Pastor Carmen, I, and I said, I suppose to speak the whole room, but the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart. You need to activate your faith. There's a miracle waiting for you to happen. There's a miracle waiting for you to happen. And there's a spirit of expectancy that God wants to birth in your heart. And you have to do something out of the ordinary. So at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to step out and run to the altars of grace and find a place to kneel. I want you to space out. Don't get close. Six feet or more. Space out if you have to. And I want you to call out to God and say, Lord, I'm tossing away the garment. I'm tossing away what the world says I am. I'm tossing away all of my fears. I'm tossing away all of my doubts. And I'm coming expecting a miracle. They're coming already. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm going to count to three. You come. They're coming already. One. Don't miss it. Two. Three. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Slow. No, slow. Don't, don't force this. Just keep coming. Softly. I'm expecting a miracle. Sir, ma'am, lay your hands on this young lady right here. Don't watch a manifestation. If you're standing next to your children, I want you to lay hands on them and say, Lord, I'm expecting great things from the power of God out of my kids. Based on the Holy Spirit, Lord, I want a spirit of expectancy. I come against a spirit of fear because the Bible says fear is not from God. And there are parents right now, even in my family, that are wracked with fear that their child or their, their, their family is going to get COVID and they're wracked with fear. Listen, I'm not saying it's not real. The COVID is real. I've had it. 
But God does not want you to live in fear. So, Lord, we pray for a miracle right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, he's not the same man he used to be. Lord, I pray that you would raise in him an expectation for great things. All over the room, begin to pray. Tell him how much you love him. Tell him how much you need him. Say amen. Tell him how much you love him. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for my nephew, Andrew and Hannah. Dad, Lord, healing their body. Lord, I pray for a revival spirit to break out in the church. In the name of Jesus. Sing it with him. Make this your prayer. Come on, sing it.
I was praying for this young person over here. And we're getting ready to dismiss here in a moment, but I want to pray for all those that say, Pastor, I'm tired of the culture putting a name on who I am. Oh, catch what I just said. I'm tired of the culture putting a name on who I am or telling me that I can only rise to a certain level. I'm expecting to rise to great things because I'm a child of God. And there are teenagers in the room that the education system has told you, well, you can only hope for community college. Or you can only hope for this or that because look at your economic stat. Come on, you know, that's a lie from the pits of hell. So right now, if you are tired of a culture putting their mark on you and you're ready to shed that off like Bartimaeus and throw it away and come into expectation with God, I want you to lift your hands right now all over the room, all over the room, all over the room. Look at that. Wow. Wow. If you see someone with their hands raised, I want you to move to them quietly, quietly, and just lay hands upon them and begin to pray a spirit of expectation. I need someone to pray with this lady right here, this, this couple sitting down here. Come on. Come help me. Right here with their hands raised. All on the altar here. the school district tell you what you are in Christ. Father, we're believing for great things for Church on the Rock. Oh, somebody begin to tell the Lord you're expecting great things. You're believing for great things. Lord, I pray for healing to begin to flow in the emotions. Lord, I pray for anger to go, for bitterness to go. Lord, I pray for the students that feel limited because they've been told the best you can hope for. No, the greatest, we, God's got a great plan. God's got a great purpose. In the name of Jesus. Carmen, Carmen, lay hands on that young lady right there. Right there. Yeah, right there. Wow. Holy Spirit. Begin right now to bring healing and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Lord, we've got great things ahead of us. Father, we, the best is yet to come. Because the anointing makes the difference. The anointing makes the difference. In the name of Jesus. Open the eyes of my heart. Come on, sing it, guys.
Come on, sing that out to the Lord. Open the eyes. freedom that this young lady received this morning. Seriously. Rejoice with me. This You have no idea what's been laid down here today. I kept hearing the Lord while I was going around and praying for people. I kept hearing the Lord say, lay it at my feet. Lay it at my feet. That's not you. That doesn't define you. And that is not a part of my future. Right now, I want you, if you haven't done it yet, I want you to lay things lay things down at the feet of Jesus and say that is not my future that is not who I am that is not what I am that is not where I'm going oh thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord now I want you to lift your hands to the Lord say Lord have your way in my life I want you to say Lord you have for my future. I want it. I want it. I'll be a part of that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give it to you. I was feeling a lot of prophetic things this morning, and that doesn't always happen. You know, Russia used to say, we're going to take over America without even firing a shot. And I think that's been the plan of the enemy where he's so subtle and how he's gotten in our country. But I felt the Lord say he's gotten in a lot of churches. And he's lulled them to sleep. And he's given them a potion, like a love potion. For this world to where people are becoming lovers of this world more than lovers of God and I was fighting off that slumber that I just felt a spirit of slumber released over the church and a love potion that people been drinking where they're drunk on it and they don't even know they're asleep in the light I want everybody to say I, I think we need to renounce. Just say, I renounce the spirit of slumber over my spirit. Seriously, say it. It's very important. I renounce the spirit of slumber. I, I renounce the spirit of this world off of my Holy Spirit.
Come on, renounce it. Say, I renounce the spirit of this world off my life. Say, I renounce the spirit of this world off my family. Say, I renounce the spirit of this world off my home. Say it. I'm telling you, say it. It's important that you say it. I renounce that. And I embrace you, Lord. I want you to say, Lord, I give you my heart. You may think that's crazy, but I need you to do that. Say, Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I'm going to practice God first living. God first living. Then the other thing I heard, I heard it so strong, I wrote it down. But it said the next three services are important, more than important, have great significance. They actually are going to have a profound effect on your future. If that's the word of the Lord, how many says we need to be back tonight? How many need to be back tonight? To me, that is also a, you know, talk's cheap. Oh, I want God, I want God. We'll cancel what you wanted to do tonight. You know what? You may think this is stupid, but I love the Chicago Bears. They're playing tonight during church. I, I honestly, I want to watch that game bad. But you know what? I'm going to be in church because I want God way more than I want the Chicago Bears. Amen. Anybody out there? Come on. Let, let's put some action with our talk. Let's be back. Before we leave tonight, this morning, lift your hands up and say, Lord, I'm expecting. I'm loving you. I'm loving Brother Randy. Everybody say, bless Randy. Thank you for giving the word. And you're dismissed in the name of Jesus. Man, let's shout some freedom. Say, I'm free. I'm free.